done. Lord, thank you for all that you have done in the midst of all this craziness in our world. Thank you that we know three kids that put their faith in you and we're so grateful for that. Thank you for parents uh, discipling their own kids and neighbors and thank you for all the hard work that was done. We're just blown away by you working through uh, a difficult situation. I'm so grateful to see uh, kids excited about learning about you, having a great VBS experience. Even though uh, we weren't able to gather all together, we were able to gather all together in your name, even if it wasn't physically. And so thank you, God, for all the ways that you worked in and through this week. And I pray this morning as we open your word and learn some of the same lessons that the kids learned, I pray that we would be inspired by it, that we would learn from it, that we'd be changed forever because of your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun time this morning to learn a little bit about what the kids learned in Vacation Bible School here all together. We believe in the priority of the next generation in all that we do. And so we thought that it would be really great to take a pause from our study in Genesis, which I'm so grateful for David Swicegood and for uh, Smiley Sturgis filling in for the last two weeks when I was on vacation. They did a great job. If you haven't heard their messages, go online, listen to their messages. But we're going to take... Uh, a little pause from Genesis to focus on what the kids learned this week and apply it to our lives. And we're going to look at Hebrews uh, chapter 12, as you heard um, uh, McDaniels uh, talk about him, him memorizing the verse and all the kids memorizing the verse. It was a really, really cool time to see God work through the lives of these kids. The point for this morning is that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And we believe at Good News that a disciple is someone who loves Jesus, who loves the lost, and who loves one another. And in order to do that, we need Jesus to work in and through our lives because it's a difficult thing to do. And each and every day this week, the students got to learn a way that they could look at Jesus, that they could focus on Jesus, that they could be reminded that he's the author and perfecter of their faith. The first day, they looked at what uh, they could see in creation. And last night, I had an opportunity with my family to go to Matanzas Inlet. We were there at sunset, and it was just so beautiful. It was just so amazing to see the sun setting over the water. And it's like, yes, God, I could see you in creation. We're so blessed to live here in, in St. Augustine where we get to see God in creation all over the place. And, and the kids got to learn that, and I hope we can learn that too, that we could see God. We could focus our, on God. We could fix our eyes on God in creation. The second day, they learned that they could hear from God. And the primary way that, that we all can hear from God is from his word. And that's why we preach his word. That's why we encourage everyone to read God's word. Because this is how we hear from the living God. The primary way of hearing from the living God is from his very word. That's one way we can focus on God, fix our eyes on God. Day, th day three, they learned about talking to others about what they believe. And I think the boldness of kids is so great. They talk to others about God so much better than adults do. and We can learn from them that they're not fearful, they're not worried about what others are going to think. They just are sharing God's word and God's love with people. And so we should talk to others about what we believe. Day four, they talked about you can pray anytime, anyplace, anywhere. That no matter what you're going through, that you can come to God, that you can uh, share your requests to God. And uh, I'm so grateful that they learned that and that we should remember that too. 
And day five, they learned that you can live for God by loving others. Now, during the last four months of this pandemic and all the things that we've seen on the news, I've noticed my patience has grown shorter and shorter. I don't know about you guys, but that's the way my patience has gone. And so I need to remember that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith and that we can show God by loving others, especially during this time. And so we're going to look this morning in Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, whether you're watching at home or here in person, uh, you can turn there. If not, you can look up on the screen and uh, we'll dig into God's word here with the first uh, three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to what God's word says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And this is perfect scriptures for us in our world and what we're going through. That Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. The word author in the original Greek language means captain or chief leader or prince. He's the one that creates the faith in us. He's the one that, that builds that faith up in us. On our own, we can't come to Christ. He's the chief leader. He's the one that's in control. He's the captain of our faith ship. And then it says that he's the perfecter of our faith. And this is the only place in the entire New Testament that this word perfecter is used in the original Greek languages. And what it means is completer or finisher. And I think that's so vital because many of us as believers know that the gift of God is, is faith. That it's a gift from God. But then we don't think of it being a gift as enduring faith. And it's both. He not only gives us the gift of faith, but he completes that work of faith in us. And I want to show you that a little bit this morning, but I need a volunteer. Is anybody brave enough to volunteer this morning? Anybody? Not too many people here. Come on. You know you're going to get. All right. I saw your hand. Come on. I can't see who that is, but come on up here. All right. So I got a gift for you. So you can come on up here and we're going to be really careful in COVID time. So there you go. You don't have to worry about any germs at all. So come on in here so they can see you online. And so here is, here is a gift. There you go. You. You're welcome. Now, now hang on. Don't go anywhere. Don't get out of here. You get out of here with a gift. Now, did you deserve that gift? No. Did you earn that gift? No. If you deserved it or you earned it, it would cease to be a gift. All right. Thank you very much. Give it up for him. Give it up for him. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. It says, for, the great, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's, not, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Many of you know the, those scripture passages about your faith being a gift. But it's not only just the start of it being a gift. It's also bringing it all the way to completion that's a gift. That he is in control of all of it. And there's nothing that we do to earn it. There's nothing that we do to deserve it. And that's actually really good news. Because if you're anything like me, your faith kind of goes like this, right? You guys' faith go like this? No, you guys are all steady. You guys are all real firm in Christ all the time, right? 
Now, I, I know you probably have some ups and downs. We all do in our faith. And we should be encouraged because the author and perfecter, the one who created in us, is also going to bring it to completion. It actually says that in a couple of verses in Scripture. One in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You see what it says there? It says to completion. Not halfway there, not three quarters of the way there. He's going to bring it to completion. In Ephesians chapter 1 it says, In him you also, uh, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is guaranteed of an inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. It's sealed by the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, it's not sealed by us. It's sealed by God. And that's so vital and that's so important. Theologians talk about the perseverance of the saints. Some people will ask me as, as a pastor, do you think that you can lose your salvation? Other than denying the Holy Spirit, no, you can't lose your salvation. Just because you're having a downturn in your faith doesn't mean that God loves you any less. It doesn't mean that you're any less saved. Jesus is the one that starts the faith. He's the one that brings it to completion. And that's why it's so vital that we fix our eyes on him, especially in the world that we live in. Because if we fix our eyes on the news headlines right now, what is that going to lead to? That's going to lead to depression, anxiety, worry. I mean, these are real news headlines from this week, taken from lots of different sources. 15 female ex-Redskins employees alleged sexual harassment. Cop hospitalized after being beaten unconscious. That was from a national news headline. That happened right here in our backyard in Atlantic, Be in Atlantic Beach. Floridians turn on one another as state locks down again amid the pandemic. Georgia governor sues Atlanta mayor over mask mandate. A nightmare scenario for farmers is happening right now. Ah! We fix our eyes on that. What do you think is going to happen to the way that we feel? What do you think is going to happen to the way that we process our emotions? What do you think is going to happen to us spiritually? So we can't fix our eyes on those things. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Listen, we are in a spiritual battle. Now more than ever, we're seeing in, in America Christians being persecuted. And I think in some ways that's a really good thing. I remember going uh, on a mission trip to Ukraine many years ago. And several people that I talked to said, Andy, I wish that Ukraine was back under communist rule. But that's a really strange thing for a Christian to say. And I, so, of course, I asked, well, why is that? And they said, well, when we were under communist rule, you were putting your life on the line when you worshipped God, when you gathered with other people, when you got baptized, when you proclaimed Christ. You were facing prison sentences. You were facing death. And so the people that worshiped Jesus were on fire for Jesus because you couldn't, you, you, you were risking everything. And I think here in America, we've gone too long with being lukewarm. It's been too comfortable for us as believers. And now that there's some persecution rising up, I think it's forcing us 
to fix our eyes on Jesus. And I'm so grateful for that because when we fix our eyes on Jesus, that's where we find hope. That's where we find redemption. That's where we find joy. That's where we find peace. That's where we find eternal life. You notice right at the beginning of this passage, it says, therefore. I learned in one of my seminary classes many years ago, whenever there's a therefore, you need to ask, why is the therefore therefore? What is the therefore? That's what you need to find, figure out. And so what you do is you look back at the previous chapter. And the previous chapter is the Faith Hall of Fame. Hebrews chapter 11. It's men and women that are listed, these champions of faith for all these things that they did in faith in Christ. Now I'm greatly encouraged by this list of people because they're a bunch of knuckleheads. They're a bunch of people that messed up. They messed up royal, royally. Their faith went like this. And they still made it in the Faith Hall of Fame. So there's hope for me and hope for you too. And... When we see this list of people, we see all of them, even though they made mistakes, they fixed their eyes on Jesus. They fixed their eyes on the Lord. And God worked through their lives in many ways. And so it says, therefore, looking back, looking at those heroes of our faith, since we're crowned, surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And as we look at this great roll call of men and, and women of faith in, in Hebrews 11, we can be inspired that they're the ones that threw off every hindrance. That, that word hindrance is something that entangles you. That's what the original Greek word means. It, it's something that makes you stumble as you go on the race that's called life. It says, let us, it says let's, let us throw off every thing that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us so if I was getting ready for a race and I said I'm going to prepare for this race I'm going to run as fast as I can I'm going to do everything I possibly can to win this race and the way I'm going to prepare is do this would that be a smart move would it I mean it would kind of hinders me running right I mean, I can't really run real well. But this is how Christians live their Christian life. They say, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, but then all the sin that's in my life, I'm entangled. I'm not going to deal with those things. I'm not going to deal with those hindrances. What we need to do is cut away those hindrances. Cut away those things that prevent us from running the race fully. I mean, if you look at Olympic runners, what do they do? They, they don't wear much clothes. Because they don't want any type of hindrance at all. They just want to run the race fully the best way that they can. And it's interesting, the Greek word for race actually means closer to struggle or fight. It's really interesting if you start thinking about life being a struggle or a fight. You kind of attack it a little differently, don't you? If you think it's just going to be a fun walk in the park, then you don't really prepare for that. But do you think, wow. My life here on earth is going to be a struggle. It's going to be a fight. Then you can prepare yourself for that. And I think so many Christians think, I'm going to follow Jesus, and it's going to be rainbows and sunshine and butterflies. But the last four months have taught us that's not the case, is it? Life can be really hard. Life can be really difficult. That's a struggle. That's a fight but we don't have to fight it on our own. We need to fix our eyes 
on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. And he doesn't promise that all the things that our struggles are going to be taken away from us. This is not our home, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is not where we're going to live for all eternity. He actually promised that there's going to be hardship. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be times that are going to be really difficult to deal with in our life. But the reason why we proclaim the hope that's in us is because this isn't our home. And we want to tell others about the joy and the hope and the eternal life in a place where there is no more suffering, there is no more pain, there's no more racism, there's no police being treated poorly, there's no COVID-19, hallelujah, there's none of that. That's where we're going to live for all eternity. That's why we run the race ripping off every hindrance that there is. The author Ken Hughes talks about these hindrances. He says, what's a hindrance to you may not be a hindrance to, in any way to someone else. A hindrance is something otherwise good that weighs you down spiritually. It could be a friendship, an association, an event, a place, a habit, a pleasure, an entertainment, an honor. It's otherwise a good thing that drags you down. You must strip it away. To endure the race of faith, believers must set aside the needless baggage and useless distraction that would hold them back and slow them down. We all need to do some business with God. We all have hindrances. We all have things that prevent us from fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so we need to spend time with God and find out what are those hindrances? What are those things that prevent me from running the race that I fully can? I don't want to fight this fight with one hand tied behind my back or my legs tied together. God, what are those hindrances? So I challenge you this week to spend some time with God and ask what are those hindrances? What are those things that make you struggle, that don't fix your eyes on Jesus? Maybe it's someone in your life that is causing you to sin against God because of the type of friendship that you have. Maybe there's some type of uh, hang-up or habit or hurt that's in your life that you need to bring to God and say, yeah, this is my hindrance. Help me. Help me overcome this. We can't overcome it on our own. We have to bring those things to Jesus so that we can run the race fully and fix our eyes on Jesus. I think so few of us actually do that, though, because there's so many distractions in our world. I looked around at my family this week, and I'm ashamed to admit this in, in, in front of all of you, but I'm going to do it because I always like sharing the struggles and the hindrances that, that I have so that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and realize we all have struggles. I looked around at my family, and every single one of them at one point this week was on a screen, myself included. I'm on my laptop, the boys are watching the, the TV, and my daughter and my wife are on their phone. All these screens going. All of these distractions. It's really easy for us to fix our eyes on those things, isn't it? I mean, they're just calling for us. They're calling for attention. I mean, we have a thing, we have a screen that we carry around in our pocket that buzzes and beeps and says, I want attention, doesn't it? And there's TV screens and there's computer screens. And especially since we're in COVID world, we're drawn to these screens even more. Now, screens are not innately evil. They can be used for all kinds of good. Right now, there's many of you that are watching this service on the screen. But when that becomes our fixation, when that becomes the thing 
that we focus on the most, when we are counting on that entertainment just to numb us so that we don't deal with the actual hindrances in our life, then we're not counting on Jesus being the author or perfecter of our faith. He wants more for us than that. He wants more than the sin that easily entangles us. He wants the joy of his life and resurrection and faith. We need to keep looking at Jesus. You notice here at the end of this uh, passage, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That's crazy. He knew the cross was going to be unbelievably painful, not only the physical pain, but the emotional and spiritual pain of him being separated from his father. Yet he went with joy. Realize how powerful that is? The reason why he went with joy is that you and I were stuck in our sin. And without him going to that cross, then all of us would be hopeless. All of us would be stuck in our sin. See, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's so much more than just a good teacher. I had a conversation with an old college roommate of mine this week. He was in town visiting, and him and I always have really good conversations about faith. And I asked him about who he thought Jesus was. He said, I, th I think that Jesus was a historical figure. I think that he was a really good teacher. I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. What did he teach about? The, the thing that Jesus taught about the most was him being the son of God, the savior of the world. So either he was telling the truth or he was a horrible teacher. He was a liar or he was insane because the things that he taught about were about him being the savior of the world. I believe that he was telling the truth. And because of that, he's so much more than a teacher. He is the ultimate sacrifice. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus lived a perfect life, a life we can never imagine living. I don't know if during these last few months, if you thought to yourself, man, I'm just not enough. I don't have what it takes to deal with this. If you thought that over the last few months, you're absolutely right. You don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. We desperately need Jesus. If we have to answer for the sin that easily entangles us on our own before God, then the Bible is very clear that a holy, holy God can't be around that sin and we will be cast into hell forever away from God. And that is unbelievably heartbreaking for me to think about anyone to have to face that. And that's why it's so vital that we put our trust in Jesus. When we do that, this double imputation happens. That's what theologians say, is that all of our sin goes to Jesus, all of his righteousness goes to us. This is the best trade of all time, and it happens when we put our faith and trust in him. The place where we can find hope, the place where we can find value, the place that we can find peace and eternal life is in Jesus. Faith in Jesus is so defining that it's because it's so freeing. And I know many of you have been Christians for many decades, and maybe you forgot about how freeing it is. But it's so important that we be reminded that the sin that entangles us, that's what identifies us before we come to faith in Christ. And then when we come to faith in Christ, the peace, the joy, the freedom, the eternal life that Jesus gives, that's what defines us. It's radically different. And so when we put our faith in Christ, we can know that this life has meaning. This life is hard. It's, it's an enduring struggle. 
We've really come to realize that in the last few months, haven't we? But when we put our faith in him and fix our eyes on him, we can have hope and joy and peace. Listen, you and I are spiritual beings. Every single human that walks on this earth are spiritual beings. And I hate to break it to you, but each and every one of us has real and major issues. We do. You're looking at a person up here that has real and major issues. And if you don't believe you have real and major issues, just ask the person that's sitting around you. They'll tell you all about your real and major issues, okay? We all have issues. We all have sin. We all have problems. And when we try to deal with those things on our own, we come quickly to realize that we are very far away from God and we are not equipped to overcome those hindrances and those sin. But in Jesus, we can resist the darkest of our nature. So follow him. Fix your eyes on him. When we look around at what's happening in our world, don't despair. Don't lose heart. We are the people of God that during these darkest times, we need to stand up and say, we are the light of the world. We have the answer. We have hope. We have joy. Even in the midst of the most joyless time because we know Jesus. Amen? Anyone out there? You guys there? I can hear you at home. Amen. Because what he, Jesus has done has radically changed us. That we are able to go from dark to light. We're able to go from death to life. And so we come together reminding one another that Jesus is the author. He's the one that creates that faith in us. And he's the perfecter. That even if you're in a valley right now with your faith, he's still working through you. He's sovereign. He's in control. So keep looking at Jesus. Don't look at the world. It's okay to, to know what's going on in the world, but don't fix your eyes on those things. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray together. But I'm so thankful for this gift of life that you've given us. That in the midst of all the struggles that are happening in our world, we can fix our eyes on you knowing that you're in control. Not, not that you're going to take away all of those hindrances, all the pain, but you have overcome them. And we know that this is not our permanent home if we're believers in you. We know that there is a place where there will be no more suffering and pain. We know there is a place of great feasts where you're going to renew all things. Art and music and sports and relationships. And it's going to be amazing. But while we're here on this earth, you've given us a mission. To, to fix our eyes on you. To love you. To love others. To make disciples. So help us to do that. Help us to not be entangled in our sin, but to strip those things away, those sins that easily hinder us and entangle us. But help us to fix our eyes on you. Thank you for the, your joy. You endured the cross because of your great love for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.